As you do that, how's everybody feeling tonight? I'll be honest, I'm a little bummed. Lost the Jets. Never good. All right, uh, but... We're going to make it. I believe it. Hey, uh, we're going to continue our series uh, that we're doing. This is the last week of this series called Better Together. Last week, we talked about a guy named Naaman. Y'all say Naaman with me. Naaman. There we go. And uh, Naaman had leprosy. He had some skin disease that was incurable, something that was causing him a lot of suffering, causing him a lot of pain, and uh, causing him some troubles. And so he goes to uh, a little girl who he actually took captive, uh, actually told him, like, hey, you should go see the man of God. He goes to see the man of God. And the man of God, Elisha, decides to heal him in a way that Naaman didn't like. So Naaman got mad. And when he got mad, uh, he tried to go away. But thank God, Naaman had some people in his life that really cared about him. He had some people in his life that were able to stop him and say, hey, you're about to make the biggest mistake of your life. We're not going to let you go without going to do what the command of God told you to do. And so Naaman, he goes to the Jordan River and uh, he does what Elisha told him to do. He dipped in it seven times and he came up and he was healed. And we learned that man, you, you might be forgiven. You might not be under the, the bondage of sin anymore because of Jesus. But the Bible teaches us in James that your wounds begin to heal as you do life with others, as you confess to others, as you tell things to others that may, many people might not know, you begin to experience some freedom. You begin to experience some healing. You begin to experience some restoration. Why? Because we are better together. That's how God, God knew that from the beginning. He created Adam. And all of a sudden, he looks at Adam and he said, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to create somebody to be with you, to help you, and to be your partner, right? And that person was Eve. Why? Because we're better together. And oftentimes, we think we're better when we're alone, but we're really better together. So we're going to continue with this series on why we're better together. Why are we doing this series? Because groups start tomorrow, all right? So because groups start, and I want everyone in here to be in a group. Everyone in here should prioritize being in a group. Everyone in here should fit the group into your schedule. I know we try to not do that, but we're small. We're going to have to fit it into our schedule right now. But hey, it's going to be awesome because we're better together. These groups matter. They mean something, and they are going to do something in your life that only they can do. Church isn't going to do the stuff that you need a group to do in your life. Like preaching isn't going to do it. The worship's not going to do it. No, no, no. You need to be in a group and watch God use that to do some awesome stuff in your life. But before we get into the story, we're actually going to have a story that is about quite literally someone making room for something, right? Like, and that wasn't even planned. I thought about that while you were singing. I'm like, man, this story is all about some people literally making room where there was no room. And God did something amazing. But before we get there, I'm going to kind of set the scene for you a little bit. I want to kind of let you know what's going on. And uh, this is at, <coughs> excuse me, I don't have COVID. All right. Uh, so this is at the, you can't cough in public anymore. It's over. Um, I might as well shout the cuss word right now, uh, then cough in public. All right. So Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry. He had just been baptized, and uh, word is getting around about Jesus. He had he'd been baptized. As soon as he was done being baptized, he went to the wilderness. He was fasting for 40 days. He didn't eat for 40 days. And, of course, that's where Satan tries to tempt him. And so Satan tempts him. He's hungry. He's hot. He's tired. He's alone. And that's when we're most vulnerable. That's when Jesus was most vulnerable. So Satan took his attack. He tried to, uh, he tried to tempt Jesus to sin and Jesus refuted, you know, uh, he, he pushed him away three times with some scripture. And, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus comes back on the scene and he does a couple of miracles that were pretty, uh, they were pretty cool. 
but they weren't completely unheard of. One of them was a little rare, but the first one he did is he cast out a demon from somebody. This is the first one we know about, a miracle in the Bible of, of Jesus interacting with someone else and doing something for them. And so he cast out a demon from this guy. And that was cool, but priests back then could actually do that. So it was impressive because Jesus wasn't really like a priest like the other priests, you know? So that was pretty cool. <clears throat> but uh, the second one he did was pretty amazing. He healed a guy from leprosy, just like we talked about uh, last week. He healed a guy from leprosy, and he said, hey, don't tell anybody I did this. I, you know, I'm not ready for the, the fame and all this kind of stuff. Well, the guy, of course, goes and tells everybody in the world, and now Jesus is like the most popular dude ever. And he's starting to heal more and more people. I'm going to sit down while I do this. I'm sorry. He starts to heal more and more people, and we actually don't have a whole lot of record of a lot of the healings that he had. And so he heals all these people and he has this crazy following. And all of a sudden, Jesus can't go anywhere without a huge crowd of people following him wherever he goes. And so uh, this is kind of where this story picks up. And this story is a little different because he does two miracles in the story. And one of them we've never, ever seen before. And this story is recorded in three of the four gospels. So it was a really important deal to all the disciples, except for Matthew. Uh, but with Mark, Luke, and John, they all recorded this story. Why? Because it was kind of amazing. And so before we get there, you have to understand that Jesus was incredible. He was captivating. He would teach people, and people would sit down and listen to him. They would sit down for hours, and they, would, they, they loved listening to him talk. And then on top of that, you never knew what you were going to see as far as the healing went when it came to Jesus. He, he would always, people would be on the edge of the seat like, man, this is amazing. And someone would come up, they'd be sick, he'd heal them. And it was unlike anything they'd ever seen before. All right. And so this is where the story picks up. Let's read it together. It says this. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. And it says this. It seemed that these men, the religious people, they showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea and as well from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Here's what you have to understand. The religious people, they started to pay attention to Jesus. But Jesus hadn't yet really said anything so crazy that sent them over the edge. That will change shortly, all right? So y'all get ready for that. But uh, all of a sudden, uh, they're sitting here, they're watching Jesus. The religious people are trying to catch Jesus. They're trying to catch him do whatever so they can hold him accountable so that they could say, no, that's not right. You're leading, you know, they, they were those types of people. They were like the people on Facebook that really annoy you when you post something and they're like, well, actually, here's what they really, you know, like people like that. Like that's how the religious people were. And they were really good because they would keep up all the rules and they would make sure you kept up with all the rules too. And so Jesus shows up and people like him and they see, and he seems to be teaching things a little differently than what they would be teaching. And they don't like that. So they're coming from everywhere to watch Jesus teach. Why? So they can catch him. So that they could be like, no, 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 no. Uh, you're not going to do that, right? Like, and so they're watching every move he makes, trying to catch him tripping up. And so the writer, he set this stage. The religious people are there. There's a crowd of people there. Jesus is teaching. He's not doing anything crazy. And he tells us that the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. The Lord's healing power was strongly 
with Jesus. I want to tell you today that the Lord's healing power is still very strongly with Jesus, by the way. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you need from God, God's healing power is still very strong today. So here's what it says. It goes on, and we're going to move to Mark at this point, this story. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men, y'all say four men. There we go. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So per usual, Jesus is teaching. He's attracted this crowd and then everyone's mesmerized. But all of a sudden, these four dudes arrive and they're carrying a person on a mat. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to carry someone that has dead weight, like if they can't do anything to help themselves, but it's heavy and it's miserable. So I want you to put yourselves in this story. I want you to think about this story from the perspective of those guys carrying this guy on the mat. Because I don't know if you know much about this part of the world, but for one, it's hot, all right? And when you carry something heavy for a long period of time, it's hot. And so here they are. These guys, they've been hearing about this person named Jesus. He's just now kind of come on the scene. He's done some crazy things. And they're hearing about, then people are talking about it in town. Like, did you hear? There's a guy named Jesus. And he's like, cast, he healed a guy from leprosy. Can you believe that? Like, that's crazy. And not only that, like, he's awesome. I can listen to this guy talk forever. He's kind of funny. You know, he's got this awesome carpenter shop back in Bethlehem, right? Like, he's, he's a good dude. And so, uh, he, and, and all of a sudden, one of them gets this idea. And they're like, hey, you know our friend Steve? I'm just giving this guy a name. All right, so Steve, right? Steve, he, he can't walk. I wonder if we somehow got Steve to Jesus, if Jesus could heal Steve. And I, maybe one of them was like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, that sounds like a crazy idea. I don't know if that's something that we should do. It's hot today. I hear Jesus is going over on the other side of town. And I don't, you know, like, that's a long shot. I know he healed a guy from leprosy, but this is a long shot. I don't know if he's going to do this, right? And then all of a sudden, the guy keeps, he's like, no, 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 let's get Steve there. And so one of them goes home and they grab some ropes, they grab a mat, they rig up this system, and they put Steve on this mat. And Steve is like, hey, I'm up for anything, right? Like, I'm sure Steve would love to walk, right? So they get him on this mat and they start carrying Steve. And about 10 yards in, they're probably like, oh boy, what did we do, right? Like, this is heavy. Well, they keep hearing from people, hey, Jesus is over there. He's, you know, he's a few miles down the road this way. And all of a sudden, they start carrying Steve. Steve is just sitting there. He's along for the ride. Well, all of a sudden, they get to one part, and it's the big hill, right? They're going to get Steve up this big hill. So here they are. They're carrying Steve. They're going up this big hill, and they get to the top, and they realize they're not even halfway there. And so they got to keep walking and they finally get to this one area. It's this really important, it's this really busy road and maybe they couldn't get through this road. There were too many people. So they had to go the long way. So they turn and they're going the long way and all of a sudden, what great, they get to another hill and they got to carry Steve up another hill and they're going and they're going, they're walking, they're walking. And finally, they see out in the distance, a big crowd of people and they see a crowd of people and they're thinking, Finally, we made it to Jesus. He's got to be in that building. Everyone, they told us he was over here and they get closer and closer. And the closer they get, the more they realize how many people are really inside this house. 
Because they're thinking the whole way, surely. Like, I know we're late. We had to carry Steve this whole time, right? But surely people will let us in. Like, surely, like, they'll understand why we brought him, and then they'll let us in, right? And so they get to the door, they get outside, and it's so packed that no one can move. Have you ever been at a concert or something where it's so packed you can't even move, right? Like, that's what it was like. It didn't say the crowd, like, didn't let them in. It said because of the crowd. Like, it was so big, they couldn't get in the house. Like, physically, they couldn't get in the house. And I can imagine how devastating that would feel. Because guess what you got to do? You got to take Steve back, right? Like, you got to carry him back to where he came from now. You can't get in front of Jesus. And when Jesus is done, he's going to be mobbed by a bunch of people. Like, people weren't going to talk to him and be with him. And Jesus is so nice, he's going to spend time with him. They're like, well, now we did all this work for nothing. We got to go back, right? And my camel is getting fixed in the shop right now. We can't, like, load him up on there and take, right? We got to carry this dude back. And all of a sudden, I can imagine that they were devastated. I can imagine they were a little discouraged for a moment. But then something crazy happens. And here's what it is. It says this, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus's head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the people that are sitting in that house. You're sitting here. I'll play Jesus. I'm nothing like him, but just for the sake of the illustration, I'm talking to y'all. And all of a sudden, you hear this noise. It's a little dark in there, right? Because there's so many people, not a lot of lights getting through. You start hearing this noise. Everyone looks up. They're like, oh, it must be an animal up there. And all of a sudden, you see dirt and you see dust start to fall, like from the ceiling. And you're thinking, it would be a shame if the ceiling caved in right now because it's so full of people. Well, all of a sudden you keep, you hear a louder noise and a louder noise and, and more dirt and more dust. And you're getting hit by dirt and dust. Jesus is trying to ignore it, you know, and keep talking and all this kind of stuff. Well, all of a sudden daylight breaks through. They've made it through and you see a few people up there and you're like, what are these crazy people? And if you're the owner of the house, what are you thinking? Like these people are ripping my roof up. Like these things are expensive. It took me forever to get this roof put together. And all, like, all this stuff is happening. And then the hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you realize that they are lowering a person down from the ceiling. And not only any person, but a person that has like special needs. They're paralyzed. Like if they drop him, they couldn't, I mean, his life wasn't great to begin with, right? They didn't have technology back then. They didn't have wheelchairs. It's like this dude's life was terrible. And they're lowering him down. Like, what if he falls and it makes his life even worse, right? Like, all this stuff would be going through your head. But all of a sudden, they make it. And they lower this man. And he ends up at the feet of Jesus. And I can imagine he's sweating. There's probably a lot of grunting going on. He, I mean, who knows? They could have slipped a couple of times getting him down there. I mean, who knows how crazy this was? But he gets down in front of Jesus and I want y'all to hear me for a second. We all need friends like this. Now, I can't prove without a shadow of a doubt that these people were friends, but I do know that people that were paralyzed back then did not have the best life. And I would, I would have to imagine that these guys knew this person and they were determined to get him there because it took a lot of work. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of strength, endurance, whatever you want. And they took a lot to get Steve in front of Jesus. 
But we need friends like that. I don't know about you. I need friends that when I can't get to Jesus on my own, when I don't want to get to Jesus on my own, when I'm down, when I'm, I don't feel like doing it anymore and I, I feel like I want to give up, I don't want to keep praying for this anymore, I don't want to ask God for this. I, I need friends that when I'm in that moment are going to pick up a corner of my mat and they're going to take me where I need to go. You need friends like that. You need people that are going to surround you when you can't walk. You need people that are going to take you and they're going to risk it all and they're going to lower you to the feet of Jesus. You need friends like that. And not only do you need friends, like you need to be a friend like that. You need to be a person that's like, nope, we're going to help. I'm going to help you. And you might get mad at me. You might not really even want me to right now, but I'm going to, I, I care about you too much. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this work. I'm going to grab a corner of your map and I'm going to go. Why? Because most of the time, you know what? We're like the guy on the mat more than we're like the person carrying the mat. More times than not, we need help. You know, and, and there's a lot of times where I, in my life, especially this last couple of years, man, I've needed people in my life that are going to pick up a corner of my mat and they're going to take me. And listen, I'm a big dude. That's a hard job when, it, when it's Clint, right? But like, I need those people. And you do too. I have those people. I have like layers of people in my life that are going to, that I'm telling you, I, I will call them when I'm down and say, I just got to be honest, man, I need, I, I, here's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm crazy thinking right now. And I'll tell them stuff. And they'll go, hey, you're called to this, Clint. Hey, that's not, that's not you. That's a liar from the devil. Don't think that, man. Hey, come on. And they're, they're carrying me on a mat to Jesus. And you need it. That's how God designed us. He designed you to do life with other people. He designed you that, in a way that you need others to reach your full potential in Jesus. Look at everyone in the Bible. No one did it alone. Like, no one did it alone. They had, they had at least one other person. Elisha thought he was alone. I'm sorry, Elijah thought he was alone. At the end of his life, he, said, he was complaining. He, said, I'm the, and he meets this guy. It was right after uh, the, the, the fire came down from heaven and ate up the altar, and he defeated all the prophets of Baal. Well, as soon as that mountaintop experience was over, Elijah's having a pity party, and he comes across this guy on the road, and he says, I'm all alone. I'm the only Christian. I'm the only one that believes in God. And the guy said, no, no, no. There's hundreds of us hiding in the hills. You're never alone. And Elijah wouldn't be alone for long either because he would go and he would call Elisha at that time. You, you, you be quiet because he was never meant to be alone. You're never meant to be alone. You need some friends to have some faith. You need some friends that are going to take some big risks with you. I mean, think about it. These guys, they had a lot of faith. And the faith was shown when they lowered this guy down from the, from the roof. That was a lot of faith because they were counting on Jesus to heal him there because they weren't about to pull that dude back up. And that would be a lot harder than letting him down. They showed some faith. They, they were committed. They, they, they forced their way to Jesus. They say, hey, I'm not giving up on this guy. I, I have some faith. I have a little faith. I have faith that if we could just get him in front of Jesus, that Jesus could change everything. <coughs> and they went all in on that plan. Nothing was stopping. They went all in on that plan. 
They said, we're getting them to Jesus and we're going all in because that's the only one that can fix this. And we all need friends that way. We all need friends that are gonna have enough faith for us because here's what the Bible says in the next part. It says, seeing, what's that next word? Come on, what's that next word? Their faith, not the faith of the paralyzed man. The faith of the paralyzed man is never talked about. But it was the faith of the guys that carried the mats that Jesus saw. He said, I saw their, Jesus said, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Some of us, we've, we've run out of faith. We've been asking for something. We've been praying maybe for our spouse and we're just sick of praying for our spouse. We've been praying for that son or the daughter or the husband that's walked away from God and we're so sick of asking for faith. But we've been praying for the same thing over and over and over again. We're stuck in this cycle of hurt where we just can't seem to get over this scar that scarred us a long time ago. And and we're just stuck here. And you've run out of faith. And let me tell you, I've been there before. I get it. But borrow some of our faith. Let us carry your mat a little bit and take you where you need to go. Borrow some of our, borrow a friend of yours faith, right? Like when you're running on empty, go get a gas can from somebody else, right? Like get some help from somebody because that's the way that God designed us to be. That's why it's so important to have other people in your life. That's why it's so important to prioritize groups. We're not going to have 100 groups. I'm not concerned about the number of people in groups. I'm concerned about the number of people in groups because you need it. Like you're going through stuff. You got family drama going on. You got problems that you need to talk about. Man, you just need friends and that's okay. Like you need to be in a group because man, when you're in a group, you can borrow some of their faith and they need you. We're better together. People need you and you need others. But notice, They get him to Jesus. They lower him down. Jesus looks at him and says, man, seeing their faith, hey, son, your sins are forgiven. And I bet the friends were like, "Uh, okay, but he's still paralyzed, right? Like he still can't walk. Like we're still gonna have to get him out of this, like lift him back up, go all the way. Like he's still paralyzed. But understand something is that a lot of times when people take you to Jesus, Jesus wants to do something in you before he wants to do something for you. And God cares way more about your spirit than he cares about, uh, you know, the the monetary thing or the physical thing that you need because your spirit is the thing that's going to live forever. Your spirit's the thing that connects with God. Your spirit's the thing that, that God uses to speak to you and that you use to speak to God. That's what, that's, it's so important. And so Jesus looks at him and says, yes, this guy can't walk. And most people, 100% of the other people there would go, that's this guy's biggest need. And Jesus said, no, his biggest need is me. Like he needs me. And so Jesus forgives him of his sins. Now, don't miss Jesus wants to do the physical thing for you. I believe Jesus wants to heal you. I believe Jesus wants to provide for you. I believe that those things are what Jesus really wants because, man, God is a loving father and Jesus paid the price. He's already, it says, by his stripes, we are healed. And I believe Jesus is all about healing and all about those things. But he's more about your spiritual life than he is about your physical condition. And sometimes he wants to do that spiritual thing in him. And so whenever he does that, though, the religious people, remember them, they're here, they're watching everything, and finally Jesus has done something that they are ready to pounce on. And they start thinking, who does he think he is? He can't forgive sins. He's not God. Are you kidding me? 
And so they didn't say this out loud. The Bible says it. We'll look at it in a second. They didn't say this out loud. They were thinking in their hearts. And then Jesus looks at them and addresses them. Here's what he says. He says, so I will prove. And so they, he addresses them. And uh, Jesus says this back. He says, so, hey, I'm going to prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man, what does that say? Jumped up. I mean, he didn't like struggle. He didn't like have to get strength. In it. No, no, no. Jesus healed him. He jumped up, he grabbed his mat, and he walked through the stunned onlookers. Can you imagine being there, watching this guy come in? He has little bitty legs that probably had no density whatsoever in them. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks and said, get up, grab your mat, and go home. And this dude jumps up, and he walks through the crowd. I mean, mic drop moment, right? I mean, that would be awesome. And I love the end of this. It says, they were all amazed and they praised God and they were exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Like it amazed everybody. And here's the deal. I think a lot of us, we want people, we want God to do something so amazing, right? That people would go, I cannot believe what God is doing. Like we've never seen anything like this before. We've, I mean, we, we've never heard of something like this before. You know, all that happened in this story within the context of community, the context of, of having some friends that brought someone in need to Jesus. It all ha- it didn't happen willy-nilly. In a, no, no, no. It happened when it involved others. Don't miss that. Man, we want God to do the unthinkable and the crazy and the thing that goes beyond anything we can ask or imagine. Maybe it's going to happen in the context of community doing things with other people, doing real life with other people, sharing real things with other people. That's where the stuff happens that we're like, I've never thought I could be healed from this. I never thought I could get over this hurt in my past. I never thought that my marriage could get put back together. I never thought that God would physically heal my body. Man, I never, guess what? God's always gonna use someone else to be a part of that story. God does his best work in the context of community, of the context of of using other people and God using you to bless others. Very rarely in scripture does God do something miraculous and only one person gets to experience it or only one person's involved. No, it it typically happens in a group of people. And a lot of people are looking for God to do the supernatural thing. And we want to see the miracle, but we aren't willing to go and find the miracle in the context of community. We're not willing to do that. And here's what I mean, man, and this sounds, I know it sounds crazy. I don't really care. This is what we do groups for. Like we do this to give you the opportunity to live life the way that God wants you to live life. I'd rather you be in a group than be here on Sunday nights. Now, please come on Sunday nights, please. But if you're going to choose, choose groups, go to groups. Why? Because, man, this is great. You can listen to the podcast. You, you're already listening to worship songs that we sing anyway on the radio or Spotify or whatever. But you can't simulate a group. Like, you have to go find that and get that and keep that and take care of that and protect that. That's what, that's what we're called. That's why we have groups. That's why we do what we do. That's why I'll be a part of, like, four groups. Because I want to I do this with y'all. And I want y'all to do this with us. I think that's where we find it. So as we wrap up tonight, I want you to think about the four corners of your mat. 
You're Steve, all right? I don't know. That's probably not the guy's name, but Steve. You're Steve. And so what are the four corners of your mat look like? What four friends do you need in order to live this kind of life? And I'm going to tell you what they are right here. You need generous friends. Now, I did not say rich friends, okay? Very big difference. I'm not saying people that are going to give you money. That's not generosity, by the way. No, 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 no. I'm talking about people who are generous with their words. They're generous with their time. They're generous with, with their, even their possessions. Like, hey, hey, can you help me? Yeah, I'll be, I'm showing up for you. I'm generous with my time. I'm, I live a generous lifestyle. You need, people's, you need people that are gonna bless you with their blessings. And you need to bless your friends with your blessings. That's what friends are for, right? Like we need to be generous with, one, uh, with each other. I can imagine one of the guys carrying Steve's mat. Man, uh, they were the one that probably brought over the mats and the ropes so that they could carry this guy over, right? Steve probably didn't have any rope. He didn't need it. But they needed something to lower him down to Jesus. And so one of his friends had to be generous and say, hey, you can use mine. If it breaks, ah, who cares? It's rope. I'll go buy another one, right? Like, I, I'm here for you. Of course, I'll help you move, right? Of course, I'll, I'll let you borrow this thing that you need, right? Of course, we'll watch your kids while you go. Do, of course, Yes, because we're friends. Like, that's what we're here for. That's what community is about. You need a generous person on your corner of a mat. You need a generous person. The second thing is this. You need faith-filled friends. You need people who believe when your faith has run out. You need people to borrow some of their faith when your faith has run out. You need people to remind you whose you are. Like, hey, that's not what you are. Come on, man, you got this. Like, hey, that's not, man, you're gonna be full of faith. Hey, man, we're praying for you. I'm believing that God is gonna heal that. Hey, I'm believing that God's gonna take care of you through this situation. Man, and we're here. Man, God loves you. He wants the best for you. You need people like that in your life. I can imagine one of the four guys that carried Steve being that, and he kept reminding them, hey, when they were hot and they were going up that second hill, I bet that guy, the faithful guy, was like, hey, he's just over this hill. Come on, we can do it. Let's go. He was the encourager. He was the one that was full of faith going, hey, we can push a little harder. Well, come on, hey, let's do it. Let's take care of this. And listen, I love being around people that are filled with faith, and so do you. It's like a breath of fresh air. Like when you get around somebody that's not a downer, they're positive and they, they, and it's not fake, right? Like it's real. It's like, man, it's a breath of fresh air in a toxic culture because guess what? We live in a toxic culture. We need people that are filled with faith. Uh, faith. For us, Miss Kim over here has been a person that has been that for Stephanie and I. And she sends us Facebook messages that she has no idea how much they encourage us and how much they build up our faith. You actually inspired a sermon a few weeks ago, by the way, from that. But she does it all the time. And I love it. It does not bother. I love that. She's being a breath of fresh air to some people that need it, even the pastors. You need to be that for other people. Be the person that when they see you, they go, man, I'm glad I was hanging out with Jordan. Like he was, I mean, just made me, I just feel better when he leaves. Like he, I feel, and you know what that is? The Holy Spirit. Sorry, not when you leave, but you know what I'm saying. When, when you happen to leave, you're like, man, I liked being around him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I love you. Maybe that was my subconscious, Jordan. I'm joking. But, uh, but you need people like that. That when, man, when y'all aren't together, you're like, man, I really like that. 
Like, that was a lot of fun. And I just, I needed that today. You need a faith-filled friend. All right, the third one is this. You need committed friends. You need friends that you can count on. Like, my gosh, is that a lost thing right now? Like, people you can count on and go, they said they were going to do that, and they're going to do it, right? Like, I, I can count, they're committed, right, man? They said they'd show up and help and do that, and I'm going to count on them, right? Friends that are there with you through everything, through thick and thin. People who don't give up on you. People who don't run from you when you're going from, through problems, but instead run to you when you're going through problems. Like, you need people that are committed to you. I can imagine that one of these guys carrying the mat was the committed one. It was probably his idea. Like, hey, we should take Steve there, right? And then uh, he was the one that was stubborn when it got hard and wouldn't stop. He was committed. And he was probably the one that had to pay for that roof because it was his idea to tear apart that dude's roof and lower Steve down to Jesus, right? He was the committed friends. You need some friends that are committed to you and your well-being and not smothering and anything. No, but like, hey, they're not going to give up. They're not going to walk off when you're going through. No, they're going to step in and go, man, we are going through this problem together. You aren't, we are. You need people that are committed to you. And the people that aren't committed to you, you can keep them a little further away from you. That's okay. But find people that are committed to you, that believe in you, that are in your corner, that won't give up, even if you don't like it, committed to you. Even if they got to say something that hurts a little bit, are committed to you. Those are the people you need. You need that. And then the last one's this. And it's not going to sound spiritual, but it is spiritual. Friends that you enjoy. You need to find friends that you enjoy. And I know it doesn't sound spiritual, but it, it, it is. And I think it's really important. You need to be with people that you actually like, that you have common interests with, that you uh, can share things with, that you can watch Survivor with, that you can be real and authentic with, right? People that you can share things with. You're not going to do that with people you don't like. But if you find some friends that you enjoy, guess what? When something's going on, you can count on these people. And you can go, hey, i got to share something with you. I can imagine that one, the last guy that was carrying the mat was the enjoyable one. He was the fun one. He was the, the, the one that was uh, smiling at Steve when Steve was like, please, Lord, don't drop me right now, right? Like he was the one go, hey, we got you, buddy. Hey, man, isn't this awesome, dude? Like this is great, right? Like isn't this amazing? Like we're taking you to Jesus and he, he's going to heal you, right? Like he's the, he was the one that was probably making sure that he was in good spirits, making sure that, man, like, hey, I know these other guys are having a hard time, but, man, we got this. We're going to take care of you, man. And they enjoy He was just the enjoyable one. You need some enjoyable friends, some fun friends, friends that you can go have fun with. Don't underestimate that. Jesus wants it. We talk about the joy of the Lord, man. Where else can you? And some of you introverts out there, I don't get you. But even you, you don't have to have 50. Have one, two, all right? Like, but find people you like to be around and be around them. It's good for you. It's so good for you. And you know what? We designed an entire church to be every single one of these friends, right? If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we are outrageously generous, right? We bless people from our blood. And I'm not talking about the church as an institution. We did design this institution as that. But now that you we want you, when you leave here, be these people. We want you to be outrageously generous. 
And be the person that's just willing to bless others with the blessings that God has given you. Don't live a lifestyle that's closed-handed. That's not fun. And that's not how God uses people. When you live like this, God can take stuff out of your hand and you can give stuff away freely through your generosity. And God can give you things. God can give you anything. If you're holding your fist like this, you got to open it up. Be generous. Man, we're outrageously generous. We're full of faith. We have complete trust and confidence in God. That means we believe God can and God will. That's what we believe. That's what you need to be. The third one, we're committed to community. I'm telling you, we're committed to seeing people connect to each other, connect to Jesus, and connect to this church, to our community. We're, we are committed to this. You know what? We get late out there greeting people because we're, why? We're watching a game. And it's not because of the game. No, Man, this, we're bonding over something like that. We go out and we, out the last minute, ask the taste, can we use your pool to baptize somebody? Yes. And they say, hey, why don't we roast some hot dogs around the fire? Yes, we're committed to community. That sounds great. Tonight, we're going to get Mexican. You're all invited. All right, so go, go get Mexican with us. Why? Because we're committed to community. I, do I want to go and drive all the... No, I don't want to do that, but I'm committed. And I know when I get there, I'm going to love it. And I love that Mexican food place. It's very good. I don't even remember the... Dos, what is it? What's it called? What's it called, Jess? Los Amigos. All right, so go out there. It's by Grants and Galton. But why? Because I'm committed to community. I want to get out and just hang out, have fun. We've redesigned our entire basement. Why? Because we're committed to community. Come over, watch Survivor. If you don't have a place to have your group, use our house. We don't even have to be there. You can use our basement for your group at our home anytime. Why? We're committed to community. We need you to be committed to community. Get in a group. Man, join it. Be committed to it. Be committed to those people. Be committed to showing up even when you don't feel like it. Go. Because God's going to use it to change your life. What's the last one? Genuinely fun. I love this one. We enjoy others. At this church, we enjoy you. I love you. And we want people to enjoy us as well. Don't be the Debbie Downer. Don't be the person that's negative all the time and no one really likes because they, they, you're going to, don't be the person that's going to find something to complain about when you get to heaven one day. You know what I'm saying? They just find something. Don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. Be a person that's fun. Go, no, no, I'm enjoyable. And I enjoy people. People are going to enjoy me. And I'm going to live at peace with people. And I'm going to laugh. I'm going to prioritize joy in my life. I'm going to do these things. Why? Because that's what God's going to use that. I believe that to connect people to him, to his church. But listen, we're going to be that as a church. But listen, it doesn't work if you're not this out there. I don't, honestly, when we get here, we're good. We're fun. We do all these things. I hope you laugh every week. I hope every week you, you go and you, you leave and your faith is a little bit fuller. I hope you know that we're committed to you. I hope you have some fun. I, I really do. All that stuff. But I listen, that happens here. We need to make sure this happens out there. And you need these friends in your life. You need people that are generous and they're full of faith. They're committed to you and they're fun and they're enjoyable. Why? because they're going to take you where you need to go. And let me just tell you, you can have some four other people carrying your mats, and guess what? They're also taking you somewhere. But it's not where you need to go. Like, they're taking you somewhere where you don't want to go. And when you end up there, you're going to go, oh, my goodness, how did I end up here? But you surround yourself with people like this, and they will take you to Jesus. 
They will take you where you need to go. God will use, I promise you, God will use them to, to take care of you and to make sure that, that you are where you need to be when you need to be there. Watch it, it'll happen. I've heard it said, you're the average of your five closest friends. Well, let's just, we'll change it to four because we're talking about four things. You're an average of the four closest friends you have. Who's around you? And if it's not, it doesn't look like this. Is it really where you want to go? Probably not. And so find some people that can be your people that look like this and watch what God does. All right, here, let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you that, man, we get to um, experience really all of this with you. Man, how committed are you to us? How generous are you with us? It is amazing. But God, I pray that we are that to people. I pray that we can be that breath of fresh air that people need. I pray that we can be committed to each other, God. And I pray during this group semester that we dive in and go for it. Man, we love you. I thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.